Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 124 of How I Built It. Today, my guest is Jay Gibb, the founder and CEO of CloudSponge. CloudSponge is a business-to-business SaaS company that sells an adjustbook widget. I wasn't sure, to be honest, how this interview was going to go, but Jay offers a lot of really great insight into research, building out a great, useful, and focused tool, and his trade secret has to do about cold outreach. And when, after I recorded this interview, I took that uh, trade secret and that advice to heart, and I think you will too. So uh, we will get into that interview in a minute. Uh, If you want to stick around until the end, I am going to talk about my plans for the future uh, of my podcast course. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Plesk. Do you spend too much time doing server admin work and not enough time building websites? Plesk helps you manage servers, websites, and customers in one dashboard, helping you do those tasks up to 10 times faster than manually coding everything. And let me tell you, I recently checked out their new and improved WordPress toolkit, and I was super impressed by how easy it was to spin up new WordPress sites, clone sites, and even manage multiple updates to themes and plugins. With the click of one button, I was able to update all of my WordPress sites. I was, again, incredibly impressed by how great their WordPress toolkit is. You can learn more and try Plesk for free at plesk.com slash build. That's plesk.com slash build. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Castos. Castos is a podcast hosting platform built specifically for WordPress. Their seriously simple podcasting plugin lets you manage all of your episodes and podcast RSS right from your WordPress site, but have your files hosted on a dedicated media hosting platform. If you use WordPress, this is by far the easiest platform that I have used for podcasting. I also really love how the Castos team takes a common sense approach to their pricing. You can create as many episodes and podcasts as you want, and you don't have to worry about how much storage you're using or bandwidth restrictions. And if you're like me and you already have a ton of episodes from an old host, they've got you covered. Castos will import all of your podcast content into their platform completely free of charge. It's literally one click of a button in your WordPress dashboard. I could not believe my eyes when I saw this in action. And it's stuff like this, which is why I built my own podcasting course on top of Castos. And they have put together a really special opportunity for the show today. You can get 50% off your first three months with the code BUILTIT19. That's B-U-I-L-T IT19. Just head over to castos.com slash how I built it to learn more. That's castos.com slash how I built it. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, How did you build that? Today, my guest is Jay Gibb, the CEO and founder of CloudSponge. Jay, how are you? Doing well. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, so, uh, we'll be talking about uh, your business, which is a business-to-business SaaS that sells uh, an address book widget. But uh, why don't we start with uh, kind of who you are and what you do? Okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Jay Gibb. I live in California. 
father of three. I'm a CEO founder of CloudSponge and also a partner at a dev shop, like an, an agency that that builds uh, SaaS companies mostly and, and uh, fintech companies for for funded entrepreneurs. Um, we've been doing we've been doing that for about eighteen years now. Uh, I've been a partner for about twelve. And uh, Cloud Sponge, which is kind of what we're here to talk about, is is a, a company that was sort of born from the agency, similar to. You know, this famous stories of things like Basecamp coming out of 37 Signals and so on. So, you know, CloudSponge has been around for about eight years. Uh, it was launched in 2010. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, <clears throat> a main hustle for the agency or part of the, part of the way that the, the dev shop, uh, you know, generates passive income. So that may be interesting to some of your audience. And, uh, you know, we, we just basically support that company through, uh, you know, the, the people who work for the dev shop also work on, on the, the companies and the products that we spin out of there. So that's kind of how that's set up. Well, yeah, that sounds great. So, um, yeah, like a, a lot of people in the space that I generally talk to um, are either trying to sell a product while also run an agency or uh, they're an agency that... Um, that kind of splits their time. Like it sounds like you do. How do you, how do you manage the resources? Like, do you have a dedicated product team and a dedicated client team or uh, just whoever has, you know, more time on their plate in any part of the year? The answer to that question has changed as the product has changed or as it's grown. Right. So at the very beginning, uh, you know, we decided we were going to do this thing and we, we, we chose a budget for it and, and, and sort of, spent that budget and then got it to market. And that was, that's the kind of a story all on its own. Uh, that's probably a little bit long for this, but you know, the, at some point there we launched it and then we stopped actively spending tons of money on it every month. We just kind of decided to run it and operate it and just support it just, you know, because it's expensive to have full-time engineers working on on something that you're not sure is going to actually be able to support itself. And so, you know, it was something where we we did as, spend as little as little money supporting it as we could, while also keeping quality really high. Uh, and it became a really powerful uh, way for our workforce to sort of have stability, right? So, if on the client side, if we started to get a little bit light and you know maybe one of our projects was over and we didn't we didn't you know quite have one teed up yet we had something for our people to do we had some some place to put them internally uh, and we always had just like with every software project we always had uh, you know an endless list of things that we could do if we had the resources and the time to do it uh, and so you know it, it, at some point in that journey uh, CloudSponge started making enough money and having enough sort of responsibilities for, for customers that we were able to justify dedicating full-time resources to it, which is where we've, we've been in that state now for about four years. And so now we have you know, some full-time dedicated resources that only, only do CloudSponge and, and are basically like off the roster for client work. Mm -hmm. And then because we have sort of a, a full stack team, we've got a couple dozen people who work here. 
we're able to bring in resources as we need them, right? So if we have, you know, a, a, <clears throat> a new vulnerability and, you know, is discovered, we've got security people that can come in and fix that stuff and then go back to client work. Or if we have, you know, some new landing pages we want built or, you know, something specific that has a, you know, needs some front end work, I can, I can sort of dip into the agency's resource pool, pull somebody out for a day or a week or a month or whatever it is, the project, and then put them back into the, into the roster for client work. So it's really, it ends up being a really powerful structure, I think, for both companies. It makes the agency stronger to have sort of permanent clients, I guess, because we, we treat our internal project, we treat CloudSponge as a client from the agency perspective. And then from CloudSponge's perspective, it's really powerful to have, you know, this multifunctional team of people that are available whenever we need them uh, to just kind of draw from a pool of resources on an ad hoc basis, right? So uh, I've, I've found that it's a, it's a great mix and it's a great way to, to do what we're doing. And if, you, if, you're, if your listeners would be interested in hearing more about that, I'd be happy to talk about it. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I like a lot of what you said there, right? Um, I mean. Um, there's been a multiple guests on the show have talked about the importance of diversifying uh, your income streams, and it sounds like you have successfully done that. Uh, and then I really like what you said about treating CloudSponge as a client, right? Because I've been in situations where uh, maybe the product is a side project, or uh, I worked in higher ed, and at higher ed, you know, just whatever we whatever we had to do to fill our hours for the week is what we did without really tracking time for anything, but it's important to know what resources you have available versus how many resources are actually going into the product, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've done that to, to the extreme, right? So, so CloudSponge is its own legal entity. It's got its own taxes. It's got its own insurance policies. It, you know, receives, you know, receives invoices from the agencies from the agency, like everything about it is just as if it was its own client, right? It, it's not just sort of, we're not just faking it. We're not pretending it is its own client. It, it is legally its own entity, right? Right. It's not um, just like a, it's not just like a time tracking project in your time tracking tool or whatever. Right. Yeah. It sort of needed to be. I mean, I guess it didn't have to be at the very beginning, um, but, you know, we have, CloudSponge has customers that are pretty big, right? We have Yelp as a customer and wow. Airbnb and GoFundMe and Patreon used to be a customer. Like we've got lots of big, big names that use the product. And those guys demand like a $2 million insurance policies. They demand mm-hmm. certain types of structures that you just can't sort of fake it, right? At some point, you really need to, to spin it out into its own company uh, and so for us, we actually just did that at the very beginning, right? At the very beginning, we, we said, look, like worst case scenario, we pay 800 bucks a year in franchise tax board. And that's kind of our overhead, overhead for this thing. Best case scenario is this turns into a real company that, you know, where we're going to be happy that we structured it properly from the very beginning. And, and that's, that's kind of what ended up happening for us. Gotcha. Yeah, that, uh, that's, I, I like that. I mean, it shows that you guys had a lot of foresight in, in setting this up. And you're right. Those bigger clients um, do, you know, require like certain insurance policies for protection and things like that. So uh, that's, that's really cool that, that you did that. Um, And I know we've talked a lot about the structure of cloud sponge, but we haven't really talked about exactly what cloud sponge is. Uh, So why don't you tell us a little bit about the product and, and, and how it came to be? 
Sure. Yeah. So it's it's software free website. Uh, it's uh, mostly a JavaScript widget is what most people buy from us. But there's also a REST API for the more advanced customers. And what it does is it makes address books available on your website for your users, so that they don't have to leave your website to go look up contact information when they want to create a recipient list on your site. So a lot of times that's for a referral program where you've got a field that says, please enter a comma-separated list of email addresses. I'm sure everybody's seen one of those. Mm -hmm. Or it'll be for a a recipient list for an e-card or a fundraising campaign or a gift registry on an e-commerce website where you're trying to get your user to give you you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 email addresses. And without something like CloudSponge to do that, they sort of, you sort of need to educate them on how to go like create a spreadsheet or properly formatted comma separated, you know, value a CSV file or something like that. And it's pretty tedious, right? But, you know, instead of doing that, uh, our customers just use the CloudSponge product to display all the popular logos for address book providers, so like Google Contacts, Yahoo Mail Contacts, Outlook.com, Office 365, AOL, iCloud, etc. We've got about 50 of them that we support around the world. And they can just put those buttons right on, you know, on their form, on their page, uh, so that their user can click the one that they recognize, click the one where their address book lives, authenticate through the CloudSponge system, and then they just get a beautiful interface that's sort of sortable and searchable and you can they can just tap or click on the contacts that they want to share and when they exit our widget all those contacts that they've selected are shared with our our customers ui uh, and then they're able to get through that process of creating those recipient lists without without having to type anything without having to leave the you know the website to a different tab or a window and so we generally find that you know Adding this type of functionality to forms like that will increase the number of successful conversions of the form, or you know, in this case, the number of email addresses that are actually shared. It'll increase that number by you know by a factor of two or three at the very minimum. Gotcha. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? You're reducing the amount of friction uh, between the user and then completing the form. Uh, so. And, you know, I, I think we've all probably seen something like that. I've, I've certainly seen and used that where uh, I, I didn't need to go through, like you said, and, and input all of these addresses manually. Um, now, y- you mentioned that like, uh, like Yelp, for example, uh, uses uh, this tool. Is there, so is there, um, is there an aspect specifically for, for them for like looking up other contacts or, or uh, is this basically like I'm a business uh, I have a user, and I want them to input this information as as quickly as possible. Uh, so that use case is really the the use case that I'm sure all of your listeners are familiar with. Whenever they've signed up for an account with a social media product, where they say, "Hey, upload your upload your contacts, and we'll help you find everybody you know who's currently on the social network." Right, mm-hmm. so. People have seen that in LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, basically everywhere that you've ever signed up for an account. Yeah. Well, Yelp is also a social network, right? They're they're right. They're trying to make it so that when your friends leave reviews for businesses, they can tell you about that and they they can say, "Hey, Joe, like Jay, Jay just reviewed this restaurant near you, and we 
we'd like you to be aware that this review exists, right? Uh, and so, you know, that in, you know, in the, for smaller companies uh, that are using WordPress, there, there's a WordPress plugin called BuddyPress yeah. for, for people that want to make a, make a social network on top of WordPress. And inside BuddyPress, there's an add-on, I think, or maybe they call it a plugin for BuddyPress called Invite Anyone. And, and that plugin really just improves this invitation process that you go that your users are going through when they're using your BuddyPress website. And inside that Invite Anyone plugin is an option to turn on CloudSpots, for example. Right. So that's right. kind of, yeah. one of one of those one of those examples that um, you know where. You don't really need to understand how the CloudSponge product works. All you need to do is come to CloudSponge and grab a key, paste it into your invite anyone uh, configuration form on your on your admin site, and then it just turns on that functionality so that your your BuddyPress uh, uh, community can grow faster. That's that's fantastic, and and that's really cool. So, uh, you said that the product is is about eight years old. I mean, if we're Looking at, at 2018, uh, yeah, this, this functionality makes sense. Every social network I sign up for asks me uh, to, to do this. Um, but in 2010, it might have been less obvious, right? How did you, how did you come up with the idea? Uh, what research did you do to, to figure out if this was like a viable thing um, to, to, to pursue? Well, I'd like to be able to say that I was clairvoyant and I had this great idea back then, but this is just not true. Uh, what, what ended up happening was we, we actually set out building something different. Uh, and address book importing was a feature of something bigger. And so we set out because we're you know engineers, we, we needed to make a really good address book importing feature. And so we were working on that. And we were trying open source packages and other commercial packages that were available at the time. Um, and they were either just terrible and unsupported and non-functional, or they were you know, just ugly or they didn't have a lot of coverage. There was always something wrong with them. So we, we ended up, after evaluating three or four options, like the best, the best three or four options, we just decided we we're going to build these integrations ourselves. And then... As we were doing that, you know, we were obviously we're spending a lot of time in Stack Overflow, or we're spending time in Google Developer Forums and Yahoo Developer Forums, Microsoft Developer Forums. We're seeing a, a lot of other developers do, asking the same question in the same tags and the same categories and threads, and we're able to kind of we we were able to sort of see this common piece of software that you know dozens or hundreds of developers were all building. Because they were saying, "Hey, I can't get this thing with Open Inviter to work. Like, how do I do this or that?" And they're they're basically challenged with the same things we were. And so we realized that if we just sort of took what we had just custom built and made an API for it and stuck a price tag on it, that these people would probably buy it. These people probably would be happy to 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 know that they didn't have to build this or they didn't have to try to make these open source packages that they were struggling with work properly. Uh, and so that's what we did. And it turned out to be true. Once we, <clears throat> once we got it out there, uh, we just basically started helping people in those forums. And meanwhile, whenever it was not too shameless, we would mention, hey, by the way, we got this thing if you want to try it. 
Uh, and it turned out that a lot of them were delighted that it existed and they're happy to go and kick the tires and try it out and see if it solved their pain points. And at that point, we didn't actually know the use cases for it. All those use cases that I that I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, those are all things I've learned since we launched it. Things like referral programs and gift registries and fundraising campaigns and all those things that people use address books for. Uh, we didn't have an exhaustive list of those things when we started. We, we just to, you know, spoke to our customers and asked them, like, what do you need this for? What are you doing? Like, how's, how's business? What's going on? And they would tell us, and we'd write it down and kind of keep track of all that. And then over time, we ended up sort of having a really great understanding of exactly the different use cases for this type of product. And and now you know we've been doing this for long enough that we've got all those covered. And, and you know, anybody anybody coming to us nowadays, you know, we've already got some knowledge about their use case. And maybe we have some case studies written or some teardowns on our website to help them. And we're able to sort of you know also be sort of consultants in a way where we can say, hey, by the way, like we've got these other companies that, are, that use us for gift registries. And here's how they do it, or here's how their interface looks, or here's how they've set up their CloudSponge configuration. And, uh, and our, our leads and our prospects tend to get a lot of value from that, and it's a good trust builder for us too. Nice. That's, that's fantastic. So I want to touch on two things you just said there. First of all, uh, you set out to build something bigger, but found by talking to other people in the forums that uh, people needed a good address importer. Uh, so kind of the conversations that, or at least conversations that other people were having that you were listening in on, right? Like you saw on the forums, people were all asking for the same thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was more of lurking, right? We were just yeah. watching, looking at the other threads. A lot of times we would benefit benefit from a conversation that happened that we were searching for, right? We'd say, hey, but like, I can't, I can't get AOL to work with, you know, some package like Open Inviter, which, you, you know, back in those days, it's abandoned now, but back in those days, it was one of the, PHP packages that people tried to use for this. And, and we would go and say, okay, cool. Like this other person had this issue with open inviter like a month ago. So, you know, just as, just like you always do, you can always just read the thread that exists. Right. Yeah. And as we did that for several months, you know, dozens and dozens of times in, in a half a dozen different places, we started to see those patterns. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's, a, that's already a good takeaway. Like, um, because you're looking at the problems that people are trying to solve. And then the same thing with the use cases. You spoke to your customers. Uh, you saw what pain points CloudSponge was solving for them. Uh, and you, you gained an understand, a better understanding of the product by not just keeping that conversation internal, but by looking at your actual users. Yeah, well, and a lot of that was just natural curiosity because somebody just paid us for something, right? So, you know, <laughs> one of our, we're like, oh, cool. Like, this, you know, at the time, there was this company called, and they may still be around. They're, they're not a customer of ours anymore, but um, there was this company called Causes. And they had this thing that I think Facebook now has natively inside the Facebook platform. Um, this back in 2010. They had this thing where you could donate your birthday to a cause. You can say, hey, yeah. like, don't buy me anything for my birthday. I have everything I need. Just, you know, I really want, you know, the Ch Children's Miracle Network to benefit from my birthday. So if you want to get me something, give them some money, right? 
And, and so Causes, they were one of our first customers. I think they were one of the first 10. And we were honored to be a part of something like that, right? And yeah. these developers at Causes, you know, they were building the way to collect money and they were building the email campaigns and all the interfaces. And the last thing they wanted to do was also have to do all these address book integrations, right? And so they were able to come to CloudSpunch and say, cool, like they can just check off a bunch of boxes on their, on their product roadmap and made it so that, you know, when I go and I donate, I went through the causes uh, UI myself, partly because I thought it was a cool idea and also because these guys were paying CloudSpunch and, and I was just curious. I went and I donated my birthday and sure enough, after I went and I chose the charity and I sort of wrote the wrote, you know, filled in whatever form fields they asked me to, at the very end of it, there was a place that said, hey, now that you've done this, like, upload your address book via CloudSponge and select everybody that you think might be interested in, you know, giving you a gift for your birthday, right? And so it was, again, this, this like, I think all of us, any, all of us builders, we sort of have a instinctive desire to see your stuff in the wild, right? And so we did that. Basically, every time anybody ever bought anything from us, you know, and, until it got to a point where it was, you know, the we couldn't drink from the fire hose anymore. Um, but probably the first hundred customers or so, we took the time to go and like talk to them if we could, like if they were, if they were willing, and if not, like we just go sign up for their service and go, you know, consume our own product in the wild to see like what are these guys doing with it, what kind of business are they in, and how have they done this integration. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, and again, really good advice for anybody who's building product out there. Uh, uh, talk to your customers or uh, um, like Jay is saying, go and actually use the site where your product is, is being used. Um, now, uh, I do want to know, uh, because you, I mean, you know, over eight years, you've gained some pretty big clients. Uh, what did you do for growth? Was it like mostly viral? Did you market specifically? You know, did you have a list of good contacts that you could use? What What did that look like? Uh, so it was a lot of organic stuff, right? Not, not a lot of really deliberate marketing other than <clears throat> being like, I think I mentioned earlier, um, being present in places where people were having the conversations about the things that we're integrated with. So, you know, on Google Developer Forums, on Yahoo Developer Forums, Microsoft Developer Forums, and Stack Overflow, those are four really big ones for us. If you go there right now and you start asking and you start searching for questions and error messages and things from these different APIs, most likely you're going to stumble across threads that are eight years old or six years old or four years old, where somewhere in there, somebody from CloudSponge has been helpful and answered those questions, right? <laughs> and those are places where like the, the director of engineering for a 200-person engineering team at a big venture-backed Silicon Valley startup, they're, they're going there. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not just small developers working on hobby projects to use these things. It's everybody, all developers use these forums. And so for, that's become like a really natural organic discovery mechanism for people that are just in the middle of searching for the problem, like a solution to whatever problem they have. And they discover us because we've t taken the time to be helpful four years ago or five years ago. Right. Same thing goes for uh, Quora. Quora is another great place where people, 
in that case, it's not so many developers as maybe it's more founders or product managers that are doing like vendor selections and they're saying, Hey, like what's the best way to solve this problem? <clears throat> and, and we've got basically been in those threads and gotten you know, answered questions there so that they discover us along the way. Right. Uh, so that's kind of one big channel that helped us get off the ground at the very beginning. And then, uh, Probably the next one after that was, you know, our JavaScript widget has a Powered by CloudSponge logo on it. Mm -hmm. And so I made a, early on, I made a couple deals basically for like free distribution um, with, there was one, there was a company called LaunchRock. Uh, and they were like a landing page company where you could go and make a landing page to do like, you know, some a smoke test or some sort of initial MVP validation for an idea that you had. And I made a deal with LaunchRock and I said, Hey, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a cloud sponge account for free. If you just put it on every single one of these pages that anybody, <laughs> anybody creates and I'll just let you have it for free and let all your customers have it for free. And so things like that, that's just one example, but things like that where we basically really tried hard to get that powered by cloud sponge logo out there on as many websites as, as possible. Right. And we had it out on, you know, you know, well over 100,000 websites at one point. Um, and that was another great place for people to dis discover us, right? One of, the, one of the things that most makers or builders will do when they're thinking about making something is they'll go look for somebody's homework to cheat off of, right? They'll go look at somebody <laughs> else's UI. They'll go look at some company they have a lot of respect for and say, how did, how did they do this? And then in that process, they'll stumble, stumble across this Powered by Cloud Sponge logo, and then they'll come, come check it out and learn about it, and then you know hopefully implement it. And so I think that was probably our second growth channel. And both of those are still pistons that are currently firing, by the way. And then after that, obviously word of mouth has been sort of a pretty standard baseline. It's, it's word of mouth for us has always been really important. And then the last one that we sort of turned on. Um, more recently, just because we got better at marketing, basically was us, you know organic search. So now, now we get a, a, a great a great number of, uh, of of leads through organic search, just because we've been you know working hard on on developing good content and making sure we've got an optimized marketing website and all that kind of stuff. So, so organic search has become a really a really important acquisition channel for us nowadays. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to Pantheon.io today again to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support 
of this episode and this season of How I Built It. So it sounds like the common thread in all of your growth channels is uh, you were helping people solve a, sp- uh, solve a problem that they were having, right? With the forums, answering questions on Quora, uh, the Powered by Cloud Sponge logo, you know, that's, um, uh, I think Hotmail famously got popular by just having the, the email by Hotmail um, right in the footer of every email address. And people were saying, oh, this is a good solution uh, for my needs. Uh, I like what you said about developers uh, looking at other people's homework. That's like 100% true. Um, and then organic search, good content. Again, probably content that aims at solving a problem that somebody has, right? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the thing that they all have in common is that there are things that people will see at the moment when they're searching, right? We, we've tried, we've, we've spent a lot of money on experiments trying to raise awareness of, of, of our product to people that maybe haven't heard of us before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just thing, things like, um, you know, advertising on Facebook and a booth at a conference and talking on podcasts and things like that. And they just don't really work that well for a company like ours, right? We're not like a generally uh, interesting tool for just anybody, right? We're, we're, like, um, we're like a plumber, right? Like you <laughs> kind of need, you need a plumber when you need a plumber. And it's really great that you discover that your friends have a plumber that they like, but just because your friend, you become aware that this really great plumber exists, like that doesn't mean that you're going to go create a plumbing problem for them to solve for you, right? Like you right. sort of need, you sort of need to just put a pin in it, wait for a problem, plumbing problem to come up and then go and like ask your friend, Hey, can you introduce me to your plumber friend? That's kind of how, that's like a mental model that I, that I use to sort of help me decide like which marketing channels are most likely going to work for us and which ones we probably shouldn't waste any time on. Because it's really hard for me to just tell somebody about CloudSponge at the moment when that's a thing that they could use, right? Yeah, right. People don't realize, like people, you can't tell somebody that they need this uh, until they realize they need it or whatever, right? Like uh, um, you can't convince somebody of a solution that they don't think they have a problem for. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the for us, the the outbound campaigns that we do are basically super, super targeted campaigns at people that we can actually see ourselves that they have this problem. And we can go to their UI and say, hey, by the way, like you're making people type email addresses in this really important form on your website. You should stop it. Here's a couple examples of people that have have stopped it by using CloudSponge and have benefited. And we can actually reach out directly to those types of people with, with some relevant content uh, for cold, you know, cold campaigns. And that tends to work, right? That tends to work pretty well. A lot of times it tends to work in a sort of a long sales cycle sort of way where it's really hard to, to say that to somebody and have them take action immediately. Right. But a lot of times they'll say, oh, yeah, you're totally right. Like, we definitely need to do that. Let me, let me put it on the docket for Q4 or for whatever, two quarters from now. And then we have to have them in the CRM and circle back with them and, you know, remind them about that conversation that they've forgotten mm-hmm. about. But, you know, the, it is, the nice thing is that we are able to proactively identify companies that have the problem that we can solve for them and do a small, like, education campaign to help them acknowledge that it is a problem and that they could be, 
they could be doing better. They could be growing faster if they just added CloudSponge to the specific place that we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we are coming up on time here, and I haven't even asked the title question yet, uh, which is, how did you build it? If we can change gears and talk about the technology a little bit, um, you know, what what is the tech behind powering CloudSponge? So it's it's always been a Ruby on Rails application at AWS. Um, <clears throat> over the years, we've sort of learned a lot and deleted a lot of code that we wish we hadn't built. Um, you know, we at some point, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's it's like the 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 boiling frog problem, right? Where you <laughs> you just like you just keep on writing code and doing things that seem like obvious choices, and then after a long time, you realize like, wow, like we should we should have actually started using a, a external CRM a long time ago, and now we're mm-hmm. just gonna do that and and delete hundred thousand lines of code or whatever, right? <laughs> um, and so you know, it used to be a Ruby on Rails monolith, and then uh, the next sort of evolution was to spin out. Uh, billing into Chargeify for billing, and um, we spun out the the marketing website into a Jekyll site. I think it was 2015 or something. And so we sort of because we had our marketing our marketing website like our homepage and all the you know the public pages inside this monolithic Ruby app. Gotcha. So it was it was super super brittle and hard to. Hard to change, so we we cut that out and spun it out into a static site generator called Jekyll on GitHub Pages, nice. uh, and then we killed that and moved uh, the marketing website over to WordPress, which actually happened this year. We moved to WordPress for marketing site, nice. um, and we and we also uh, deleted our our uh, CRM internally and and moved everything over to Zoho CRM. So so today, the core product that our customers are buying from us, which is basically like all the backend API stuff and then the customer portal where people sign up and do all their configuration and onboarding. That stuff is a, a Ruby app with a React front end and an AWS infrastructure. And then the marketing site is WordPress and CRM is Zoho and billing is handled by Chargeify. And there's probably another 10 or 15 different SaaS products in the stack, you know, stuff like Zapier and Segment that we could talk about if you want to, but those are kind of the big chunks. Yeah, and and so these were all part of uh, the original app of of CloudSponge, right? So like people would go to the marketing site on CloudSponge, and then you'd be able to charge them from CloudSponge, and uh, and and when you charge them, maybe they moved into your CRM or they filled out that initial form. And they moved into your CRM all on CloudSponge. Is that right? Yeah, like you mean all like internally with our custom code? Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Cool. Right. So, and and you decided at some point like, hey, this is maybe we should uh, make this an expert in one area, and then let the experts in other areas do their thing. Yeah, well, I mean, also remember, like eight years is a long time. There's a lot of things have changed in eight years. Right. WordPress right. was a lot different eight years ago. Right. Zoho was a lot different eight years ago. You know, these building solutions like Stripe didn't exist that long ago, right? So, right. a lot of these things we had to build the way we built them, right? But at some point, as you go up market and you start getting more sophisticated customers, when it comes, like, just let's just talk about billing, for example, right? Like, it starts off, you're like, okay, I need to be able to bill somebody 50 bucks a month on a recurring basis. Cool, that sounds simple, right? 
But then you, if you've got plans, you need to have expansion and contraction and prorating, right? You get one big customer who asks you for, you know, you want their money because they're going to give you a lot of it, but they need invoicing and they need to be able to pay with a, you know, a, a check in the mail instead of right. just a credit card number, right? Um, and then you change your pricing. And, you know, if you start imagining the code that you have to support to do all those things, that, that's kind of where we were in 2010, 11, 12, right? Yeah. Um, and then finally we said, look, like, I don't want to do any of this. I, <clears throat> none of this is our, like, differentiating value. So let's just move over to, you know, a third-party billing system uh, and, and we were able to, luckily, we were able to to do a vendor selection with a pretty comprehensive list of requirements. And so I think at the time we were looking at Chargeify and Recurly and Chargebee, I believe, were the three that really kind of made it to the to the bottom of the list or the top of the list, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> and we ended, we ended up with char- going with Chargeify just because at the time it was it was the best fit for us. Gotcha. So, so that's fantastic. You, uh, I love the evolution of this product, right? From uh, a, a bigger thing and then you realize, hey, we should kind of niche down and focus on solving this one thing that developers seem to have trouble solving. And then further from there, you took that product and you're like, okay, we, this is the thing that differentiates CloudSponge from everything else. So we're just going to spin off and, and uh, get, Chargeify and, and Zoho CRM to kind of focus on the other parts of it. Um, what what are your plans for the future of Cloud Sponge with that in mind? You know, knowing that um, kind of the web has changed a lot in the last eight years. I suspect it'll change even more in the next uh, in the next eight years, right? So, uh, what are your plans for the future? Well, we we're super strict about what we want to do <clears throat> we get pulled just like i think every every business does we get pulled in 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 the directions by the the vocal minority all the time right we get <clears throat> we get people that are they want to use cloud sponge um and they want a referral program and they ask us hey can you build me the referral program right or, or whatever and and so we've been really disciplined about saying no to all of that and staying focused on being the you know best solution in the world for address book importing with which is kind of a use case agnostic thing right i think for me the future for us you know the next the next year or two we're going to be building um integrations so that people can kind of get what they want without us losing our identity Mm-hmm. So integrations with things like Zapier and different transactional email providers and email service providers and CRMs and things like that, uh, because we're able to see what our customers are bringing to the table. Like we we need to we need to sort of meet them halfway in terms of the parts of the system that they're building in order to be able to use CloudSponge. But it's going to be a bit of a tough challenge to make sure that we stay disciplined about not taking that too far, right, and not like pigeonholing the company into being something that's really specific to one area uh, instead of being, you know, a, a more a more multi-purpose tool, right? So I think yeah, that'll right. be part of it. And then the other part of it is, you know, we to date, we've really focused heavily on uh, selling our product to individual companies. And we haven't put enough focus on finding 
distribution channels such as you know agencies that want to implement us into all of their projects or platforms that want to add us and bundle us into the functionality of something that's like a multi-tenant system and and so i think from a <clears throat> from a a growth perspective, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for us to make those kinds of partnerships and get those, get those, those integrations similar to the one I described with, you know, BuddyPress and Invite Anyone, where we can sort of do, do, do a bunch of upfront work and then, um, you know, basically build a permanent distribution channel for the product, right? So I think for me, that's, that's where I'm focused, you know, for 2019. I think those two things are going to be, uh, they're going to, you know, move the needle for CloudSponge pretty dramatically. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I mean, it sounds like uh, you're making. Uh, I mean, maybe it's easier to say that in hindsight, but it sounds like you made a lot of the right moves up until this point. Uh, kind of staying true to who you want to what you want CloudSponge to be, and and moving forward, it sounds like you've got a really good plan for for growth. You're not just saying, "Oh, we've only reached you know the companies that we want to reach." So what do we do now? It sounds like you've got a really good plan. Um, so with that in mind, uh, do you have any trade secrets for our listeners? Trade secrets? <clears throat> can can you explain what you mean by that? Uh, so, I mean, don't give away your secret sauce, obviously. But, uh, you know, is there any one really good piece of advice that you've taken with you on your journey through starting this business? Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that I f- I feel like I discovered on my own that I don't I don't think enough people have discovered. Um, when, and it's in the category of cold outreach. Um, if if you've got listeners that sort of know their target and are able to identify them, don't just put them into a marketing automation tool. Don't buy a list or, you know, don't put an email address into a tool and start spamming people. You go to their website, spend five, 10 minutes on their website, go like get inside their head a little bit and write them an email, like be human about it, <laughs> write them an email. If you're trying to do it in, you know, in a, in a super, super like high volume sort of way, then you're probably doing it wrong in my opinion. Uh, just take it slow and steady. And what I, the other thing that I've noticed is, you know, all the spam that you receive and all of your listeners are getting a lot of spam all the time. I suspect the one thing that they all have in common is they all have your email address in the to field. They're all sending, you know, it's an email to, you know, Joe Casabona. Right. And what I've found is that if I want to send an email, like, a cold email to somebody who doesn't know me, I'll put two email addresses in the two field. Put Joe Casabona and your co-founder, like two people, two individuals, right? And it's a really simple difference, <clears throat> but I think it circumvents a bunch of spam like logic and it sort of forces your, your recipients to open the email. Like it, 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 it breaks the pattern of an email from some person I've never heard of to me and turns it into some email, an email from some person I've never heard of to me and my coworker. Right. And we've done that now. Like anytime I do cold outreach, one of our, one of our outreach principles is to always have two email addresses in the two field. And our open rate and reply rate is astronomical compared to what I've heard other people are getting. So I think, I think it's something that any, anybody who wants to take a few minutes and actually 
like think about what they're doing and, and deliver a handwritten email to somebody should also take the time to make sure you can find two email addresses at the company you're reaching out to and, and it'll make a massive difference. Man, that is advice that I'm going to start using today. Because let me tell you, I got an email from a company that I was working with uh, for potential podcast sponsorships. Um, I got an email from somebody else on their team and I was like, hey, is this uh, like, are you working with the other two people that I've been talking to? And they're like, oh no, like this was just an automated email marketing thing. And I'm like, that. well, that's like, it felt disingenuous to me. Like they already... I thought they already knew who I was, but now I'm like in this automated thing already. Um, but I mean, this is great. Get into their head and, and, and again, t- like talk to them like they're people. Don't just send generic email to them. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like they need to send 100 emails a day to succeed. And it's just not true. I mean, you're better off sending five emails a day if you're going to get 100% open rate and a 70% reply rate, right? Like, just take your time and, and do it in a really, you know, just follow the golden rule, right? Treat people the way that you would like to be treated. And and that's what we do, right? We're like, look, like, I really don't want to receive these kinds of emails, but I really do want to sell to this company. So what can I do? Well, I can actually go sign up for their service and go to the e-card recipient list interface and see if they need CloudSponge. And if they do take a screenshot of it, circle the big part of the screen where CloudSponge would live, and then email them a screenshot of their own product to two people, like to two product managers or maybe a VP of dev and a VP of product or something like that. And like those two people are going to be compelled to open that email. And then when they open it, they see, okay, okay, this guy's actually spent 10 minutes on my website and taken a screenshot and sent it to me. Like they're going to feel obligated to reply to you. And so I just feel like the, you know, the world needs to go to a quality over quantity frame of mind. And I'm just taking it personally and, and operating my company that way. Man, uh, that's, I, I really like that. And, and Jay, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can go to cloudsponge.com and click on the little chat bubble. And, and, and if I'm not the one who picks up, somebody will send it to me or, you know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn these days. So if you find, just search for my name on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Awesome. I will include that and lots of other stuff we talked about in the show notes. Uh, Jay Gibb uh, of Cloud Sponge. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Joe. Thanks so much to Jay for joining me today. I really appreciate him taking the time to come on the show. There was a lot of really good advice in this episode for, especially for people who are looking to do uh, business to business or B two B services. I think that's a little bit different from client services or uh, you know direct to person products. So there's some good advice there. And then of course his trade secret about cold outreach uh, and not sounding like a robot. Um, don't use it. Don't use an automation tool. Connect with them on a personal level. Uh, So with that, my question of the week for you is how are you going to improve your cold outreach plan? What are you doing now? How do you plan to improve? Let me know by emailing me joe at howibuilt.it or on Twitter at jcasabona. Thanks so much to Castos, Plesk, and Pantheon for sponsoring this episode and most of the season for Castos, all of the season for Plesk and Pantheon. They have made this show possible. 
If you liked this episode, do me a favor and share it with somebody who you think will find it interesting. So to round out, to wrap up my story, this multi-part series, closing out these episodes about how I built my podcast course is plans for the future. Aside from the just teaching how to do a podcast, uh, there are a few other things I want to offer, right? So um, there are often packages associated with selling online courses. There's the basic offering. There's some advanced offering, which maybe comes with workbooks or something like that. Uh, and then there's usually a done for you service. And, and that's something that I intend to add to my podcast course. A couple of done for you services. One is set up the podcast website completely uh, for you. But then my friend Ryan Kinney, uh, who was a guest on this show, gave me an idea that collided with another idea that came from my mastermind group. And that's to offer... Uh, and almost a, a consulting or concierge service for audio setup. So I help people set up their audio remotely. I listen to their audio and I give them advice on it. Right. And I am by no means an audio expert, but I know the kind of audio that you need to sound good on a podcast after doing recordings for several years now. Um, so there's that. And then there's just critiquing the first episode. So I'm going to offer a tier of this podcast course eventually that allows students to send me their first episode and I will listen to it and critique it and give them advice. So those are my plans for the future. I hope you've enjoyed this series over the summer in between the break uh, from this season and the next season. I'm going to release a, a full episode where I talk about this course that will hopefully coincide with the launch. I'm, I don't want to set a date on that launch, but I, I do think I'll be able to do that sometime in mid June or early July. Uh, and uh, I will also be at podcast movement this summer in Orlando. So if you're going to be there, be sure to come out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>